out of a hat, but if you had stuff that was exciting that you wanted to, you know, um, you're thinking about that you are workshopping that you. Um, I've been thinking about the whole, um, but we don't have to talk about this. You might have stuff and we can move it. this whole issue of like people wanting you to be one thing. Mm. Like, like, you know, I'm the herb guy or I'm the boat right. guy or I'm the, the Bagua guy or you're the shitty right. guy. And, but when you do a lot of things that to me are all one thing, that confuses the crap out of people. And, and I, yes. I don't really know what to do with that because uh, it's, um, it's sort of this Western thing and it's more of a recent thing where you're supposed to brand yourself in this narrow category and be the guy, you know, who, I don't know, deals with knee, the knee, like, you know, online, I, my wife found something, the knee guy or something is his name. And he, so he, t- he talks about knees, right? And yeah. obviously it's probably easier to make money if you do that. But on another level, it's so uninteresting to me Yeah, um, to be so, and I'm just using this as an example or the, you know, I'm the dung acupuncture guy and that's all I do or, right. in our profession. Um, and I think it's weird because actually the arts we're talking about aren't like that like yeah like i study with jiao Dayuan in china he's, he's like the china guy but he also does bagua xingyi taiji uh he knows some chinese medicine like he does all these things right and so categorizing him as the china guy because he has a sort of specialty in that is so it, it's so narrow you know and it, and and i find i get I think I confuse people because I'm not really categorizable. <laughs> um, and so people are like, wait a minute, you do this and this. Like, how could you be good at all those things? And I think because they see them as six different things as opposed to I see it as one thing. I'm just doing shingi or I'm just doing bagua, but I'm doing bone setting, but we're doing writing an herb formula even can relate to the chi dynamic that we experience in martial arts. And so it's that kind of thing that I've been ruminating on and wanting to write something, but you know, uh, <laughs> it's hard to write. It's hard to write that kind of thing, actually, you know, in, in a succinct yeah. way where you don't sound like a jerk or a high, high, high on your horse or something. Yeah. yeah I mean, I think it's, it's, Are, something that I think about a lot actually because I've never been the kind of person that can actually study a thing though to me similarly like all the things that I've ever studied feel like it's really one field of inquiry that has to do with in the broadest sense like what does it mean to be human what does it mean to be a, a living being on this planet and there's all these ways that you can approach that inquiry right through movement through breath work through contemplation through study of wisdom traditions through you know, various kinds of medicine, like similarly different, you know, but as you know, we've spent a fair amount of time working right. together at this point. And so like that, that way of like being able to see how there is only ever one text, right. That is being studied in a variety of ways, many of which don't even make it appear like it's a text yeah. because it's more like experiential inquiry. Right. Yeah, I totally hear that. Yeah, it's what's interested me about some of the early Taoist stuff, at least what we think we know about it, because we don't really know anything about it. Right. But it's a bunch of guys in the mountains doing 
weird esoteric practices. They don't even call it Taoism. Um, right. It's everything from Qigong to meditation to God. And maybe they're taking mushrooms and having hallucinations. We don't really know. And, and to them, it, to them, it's like a series of interconnected practices that have no name right. or, or no name like right. Taoists. Um, and uh, maybe right. it's Yangshan is the closest we get. And yet they're all mm-hmm. kind of now we think of them as, as Taoist stuff. And we, we, and you right. fit yourself into that rubric of being a Taoist as opposed to someone who engages in Taoist practices or flirts with them and relates them to other things, right. which I think is really interesting right. to have that diversity of applying a set of universal principles in many areas um, as opposed to just mm-hmm. this focus in one. Well, and I, I hear you saying that you want to write something about it, but I feel like in some respects, as somebody who has um, been familiar with what your online curricula are like, if you take kind of most of the things you've done that you've now brought together in the Two Immortals right. system, right? I would say in yeah, some respects, yeah. you are writing that, right? You're, you're, in fact, you're writing the narrative that you're describing and doing it in this this really broad way, it's not succinct, but at the same time, it's not really a succinct project because we're talking about quite a bit yeah. of scope to really engage with any. Depth, yeah, and we're just really you know, talking in any of these stuff here. We're not even talking outside of that, right? Because I do feel like that is beyond my scope. Yes. <laughs> like I can't imagine adding mm. Ayurvedic stuff into it or some kind of, as you call the wisdom practices, maybe from the like it's just too much to go deep but but i think if you're good yeah what it's this thing of being good at really good at one thing you can know ten thousand things and i really feel like that like you're yeah. good at acupuncture and tween you can then figure out a lot of other things from that one thing and relate it re- interrelate things and or you're good at martial arts if you look at it as more than just beating people up it can have this hugely broad scope that, that takes you in all these directions. Yeah. There, uh, one of my favorite Vladimir Vasilov quotes was he said, uh, Sistema, it just happens to be a martial art. <laughs> well, I, 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 I'm not an expert on that, but I know friends who are on the history of Sistema. It didn't start as a martial art, right? It was really a, mm. a set of exercises. Yeah, it sort of depends on whose version of the history <laughs> yeah. you get, yeah. right? There's that one, and then there's the one that it's been an extant martial tradition since the time of, you know, the Orthodox knights. And ah. I mean, I I think that there is both probably a little a, bit of truth and both a little can. bit of truth and a lot bit of myth <laughs> in in both of those things. But yeah, I I think the point though of that whatever the field of inquiry is that it, we have the opportunity to use it as a way of learning how we learn, learning about who we are and how the world works, right? With any kind of study that we can really go deeply into. Um, and I think there's the other thing too about that, that it, it's even more effective when the study itself doesn't seem to have a bottom, right? Like there are systems where you kind of feel like you either, you tap out somewhere where you're like, I feel like I've, there's not anywhere else to go in my inquiry, yeah, and, those, and then there's systems where you never seem. And I think to find I think the systems depth. where you tap out, as you say, tend to be technique based, mm-hmm. because you know you can. I mean, I found it in teaching Zongfu Tuina um, and interacting with some 
certain osteopaths who seem to me my my negative response to what they do is they know way more techniques than me hundreds right. like all these different liver techniques but i'm like but it's all about just if you get the principle you can make up the technique in the moment mm-hmm. you don't need all the techniques yeah. and so you then you're going to bottom out how many techniques can you actually remember i mean real realistically a right. hundred we have we have five major organs and then the others i mean if you have 10 techniques for each that's already that's already what 70 80 techniques and then combined techniques and so you're going to a technique for every yeah. bone, every yeah. joint, like all these yeah. things were like, whoa, yeah. dude. But if it's a set of principles, you can extrapolate and create things. And the, and the ability to create becomes endless then. Right. And if we're like, you know, as folks that are studying Chinese medicine and Chinese martial arts, when we lean into that, that I think is, a, um, at least in my thinking and contemplation of it lately is kind of like a, a closer to the Tao Te Ching and the Neijing's way of understanding reality as something that's process-based rather than something that's like a bunch of objects that are acted yes. upon, right? Because this dynamic you're talking about, if you understand those principles and you can get in and move and dance, right, in the space of all these movements and be feeling into the relational harmonies or disharmonies between the aspects of the system, then, you know, it's like, you have the principle and then the system teaches you how you can support yeah, it, right? And there's this way to get out of it. it's pretty way, endless, right? your ability, your, um, your growth potential to go deeper and deeper and deeper. Now, having yeah. said that, I'll, I'll say that there are some things like maybe like herbal medicine, I find, where someone like me who uses herbs a lot but not on the level – of these Chinese practitioners who treat a hundred people a day. So, or, right. or even 60 people a day. I mean, their level of, of expertise and clinical experience to pull on. If I, if, you know, I might write 60 herb formulas at the height of my practice in a month, right? That's not like writing 60 a day and seeing the results and sort of cataloging them. So Right. With those kind of things, you'll never quite get that level, but you can still get a pretty high level. Yeah. Yeah. Or like a martial arts guy who that's all he does all day and all he does is teach and all he practices six hours a day and he doesn't, eh. I mean, I have a teacher like that. He doesn't work. He practices six hours a day. You work with him for two hours, you go have breakfast, and after breakfast, you're resting. He's working out another two hours. It's like, but not everybody can do that I mean, and reach those kind of right. depths. Yeah, I admire folks that are either built or have a lot. You know, constructed. <laughs> if they weren't built that way when they came in, they've made themselves that way. And they've constructed like, a lifestyle it. that supports it. I mean, yeah. Totally. Exactly. Yeah, I admire yeah. it too. Um, but you also want to live life. And... <laughs> That's the other thing. There's more than that just standing the there thing. for two hours, you know, hours a day. So. Right. Which yeah. in some senses, I feel like gives you a richness and depth to everything else that you're learning and practicing, right? Because you're tasting all the different yeah. flavors of life. And a lot of ways, you're letting all that stuff settle. Too. <laughs> yeah, because, you know. More- these things like I, in Chinese medicine too can become these crazy obsessions um, where that becomes your whole life. And I don't think that's healthy mm-hmm. either. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I actually went, uh, my, my graduating class was a guy who, he was amazing. He was an amazing student, really studious study. I mean, he read cover to cover all the books that were mentioned to him, you know, each class, he, I mean, straight A student, whole nine. And then when he, when we finished, he was like frozen. He couldn't, he couldn't treat. He couldn't, he would, he was like, I, I can't open a practice. I don't feel like with all that I know, I know that I don't know enough. Like, I know that I, how do I say, I know what I don't know. Right. And that scares me. And yet. It's to the point where he couldn't practice. Yeah, because you'll never know enough. Right. <laughs> but, you know, I think it was intimidating to him because he had, he had um, you know, done this barrage of studying and not allowing himself to just be with the with the medicine and be with the, the things that he'd studied but, so hard that, you know, when he got out, he was just like, but ah, I, I haven't worked it. with a lot of people who in schools and when they get out of school, <laughs> I, I see that a common thing is, um, if only I knew this, I would be better. If only I knew that. And yet you haven't actually plumbed the depths of all, how much stuff do you learn in school that you kind of really only half know. Right. So the immediate thing is they get out of school and they start taking more courses and more courses, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I mean, I'm not just saying like a class, like, no, I'm going to do Dung's acupuncture. No, I'm going to take a four-year herb program. And you're like, what? I mean, you just get out of school. Like, why don't you try that stuff for a while (laughs) and and see like – like be with it and try it and see where your weaknesses are, see where your strengths are. And then in two years, you might actually know what course you need to take. And, but it's a confidence thing. Mm-hmm. It's like teaching martial arts. Uh, some people, they actually have the physical wherewithal and the knowledge, but they're, well, what if somebody comes in and challenges me? What if, what if an MMA guy walks in and oh, you talk to him like a human being. I mean, it's not, you know, you know, <laughs> right. it's not like, you know, right. you watch too many Kung Fu movies where you think people are going to come right. in and punch your sign and break it, and, you know. Right. And so you'll never be confident enough because the fact is, right. no matter how good you are, there's someone out there who can beat you. And if they can't, they can poison you, stab you in the back, whatever. So you might as well right. just get over that. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have those moments of non confidence. When I started teaching, you were you know people would come and visit, and they're like, "I'm a black belt in five styles," and you're like, "Whoa, you know this guy's scary," uh, you know. And then you realize actually, you know a lot as much as they do, or you know a lot enough, right? mm-hmm. and you and you start to build the mm-hmm. confidence. Same in a clinical practice. Mm-hmm. But I think some of that too, right, that you're pointing to is, is that you can't really have any grounded confidence until you have some experience. And so there is this period of like kind of flapping in the wind where you're like, shit, I know that I don't know anything. Yeah. And I kind of got to, I got to try anyhow and going in and not having the confidence because you actually don't have any reason to have it yet. Right. If there's that like (laughs) challenging. And then sometimes that's good. You try those school book, those book treatments and they they sometimes they work and sometimes you're like wow that totally doesn't work like why did we learn that so now i have to think outside the box and that's when you begin to right i mean i remember learning to drive right you take driver's ed whatever Mm -hmm. then the first time you're in a car alone you realize you have no idea what you're doing if if that's if you've never driven before that right you have no idea what you're doing you're on the road with this machine that weighs a couple of tons 
and you're basically a dangerous person to everybody else. <laughs> and you have a couple of near accidents that freak you out where you make a mistake and hopefully they're near accidents. And then you gradually become more confident and you figure out, right, it's no different than that. But, yep. but we throw people in these cars mm-hmm. all the time and they don't know what they're doing. And <laughs> same, we give people acupuncture needles and go, go to it. And they don't really know what they're doing. They kind of know. Right. Yeah. I have taught a lot in France where actually, because it's not legal, people take a lot of classes, weekend stuff, and over years and years. And then they, but they have no clinical mm. training because they're not allowed to have a clinic in a school. They can teach the theoretical stuff. And so I've, I've taught there where we're teaching needling and you've got a bunch of people who've been in acupuncture school for four years and have never needled anybody and they're scared they're scared of it wow and so part of the whole class changes to like we're going to do this advanced needling to basically we're teaching you how to needle you know right and maybe we're doing advanced so-called advanced needling but you know but it's interesting because people can actually learn it very quickly and a lot of it's just doing it a few times, right? And going, wow. Oh, I put it in. Mm-hmm. Didn't hurt the person. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, and if I screw it, I can back it out and mm-hmm. do it, you know? Like, oh, I didn't know I could right. do that. Yeah. Well, we never learned that in school. In school, right. like, folks. put the needle in and, oh, you know, don't touch it. Right. <laughs> Use the guide to put the needle in, let Walk it be. away. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Were these folks that you had also taught internal martial arts or body work to, or were, were they? Some were people I taught body work to, but a few were people, I, they had just come basically because they were afraid to needle. And, oh, wow. And, I, and, and, you know, the guy who brought me in is like, okay, I got to tell you, there's like four people. And I'm like, oh, great. Okay. But it actually turned out well. And I, I, I actually think almost in acupuncture school, maybe you should start with needling, you know, like learn a couple points mm-hmm. and needle them. So you just get over it. Instead of like it doesn't happen till a year in or right practicing on oranges. Uh, I I never yeah. learned that. <laughs> oh, there, there oh, are all yeah. kinds of crazy no, I, things. No, I never but... learned any of the soap things. I mean, yeah. When I taught with Frank Butler, he he did that in a class, and I was like, news to me, you know. I never chicken breast. Ch- chicken breast. Yeah. Oh, I I never did that. Yeah. Yeah. And I've met people who say, oh, you know, I'm a 10-year practitioner. I still needle oranges every day. And I'm like, why? Yeah. Because it's like gung fu. And I'm like, but you're doing the gung fu every day. You're treating people. What do you need the orange at this? Yeah. Also, you're gung fuing the orange, bro. That's not a human body. So if you ever feel anything like that, it's not good. Totally. It's not good. I I don't know. Uh, It's fascinating. I wouldn't want to habituate my hand to that particular You know, I I think it's a thing in martial arts too, right? We do things at a fundamental level that are quite important. Mm -hmm. And it's not that we give up those things, but they they change over time. So we don't keep doing those those things. I mean, um, when I did one style of Shingi, the beginning training is a lot of um, physical push-ups and things done done very kind of in an internal way with the breath and mm-hmm. trying to use the body alignment to do it. But it's, it's to build something that later you're going to, it's going to be a part of you and then you don't have to do that. You can discard that training. 
but a lot of people I noticed would keep it 10 years into the art. And at that point it's making you actually tight and, and not allowing mm. you to have the mm. softness. So, cause it gave you what it was supposed to give you. So you still want to be able to do push-ups like 10 years in, I don't give a crap if I can do how many push-ups I can do anymore. It's not relevant to the arts we do. Right. It, it built a right. certain internal wherewithal that you could as a foundation. And so I, I, yeah. I do think there is that like, you always go back to the foundation, but you're not doing the foundation in the same way. The same with medicine. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I think that's an interesting thing in martial arts that people get kind of attached to that foundational thing. Like, oh, I can I can do this for an hour. Great, but do you need to now? Does that does that add anything right. now, mm-hmm. or does it not? So. Mm-hmm. So Shinyi, I mean, not an art that I've studied, but I have, having worked with you a fair bit, I have heard a good bit about it. And so on that same, in that same vein, right? One of the things I always hear about Shinyi is that the kind of baseline is that you stand for an hour in Santiago yeah. every day, right? Is that one of those practices that is more something that does it continue continues, and persist through one's development? But I don't know that you have to do it an hour a day later. Yeah. Well, my teacher in China does. Um, but right. he has the time. Um, yeah, you, yeah. The reason for an hour, I think with any of the standing is that things kind of happen in the body at 20 minute intervals. So at about 20 mm-hmm. minutes, something changes at about 40 minutes, something changes. And then there are mm-hmm. some people who say, um, in, more in the each one community that standing longer, like two or three hours incurs some, more high level ability in Xingyi, we pretty much think like an hour, not much is going to really happen positively after an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and besides right. you have moving practices to do. So if you only do that, it's, sure. it's only a part of the art, but yeah, it is kind of key. Right. I can say for myself, mm-hmm. I resisted that for many years, like the whole hour thing. And, right. um, yeah, you know, I did 10 minutes. I did, t- Oh, my shoulder hurts now. And and one day our teacher was just, right. okay, you're going to stand for an hour. He pulls out his phone and like sets the timer. And I, we were just like, oh my God. You know, and his, student, his students are all there. So you're not going to put your arm down. But, and you, don't, right. you also don't know, you're not seeing the clock going. So you have no idea. You're just standing in the park going, my yeah. arm's killing me, you know. And I remember, because I had a bad shoulder, thinking, oh, man, I'm going to be crippled tomorrow. Like, I'm going to get up. I'm not going to be able to move right. my arm. And actually, not what happened. Mm. Like, and even within that first day, there was about a two-minute period somewhere, maybe 40 minutes in, I'm guessing, where, like, everything was like, oh, doesn't hurt, feels great. I feel like I can hear every person in the park around me talking and I know where they all are. Mm. Like you got into this hyper aware state. And then of course it went back to your arm, just killing you a few minutes later. (laughs) But actually the next day I was like, Oh, you know, my arm doesn't really hurt. I actually feels good. And and Mm. great because we had to do the other side the next day. (laughs) (laughs) But, but uh, I, I realized from that, that what's the biggest thing about, Sure, it hurts, um, but I used to stand in horse stance for an hour. 
but right. something about this off center thing where one arm is uh-huh. forward is much harder. And uh, it's the it's the mind. The mind is what your mind's telling you. You shouldn't do this. It's bad for you. You're going right. to be sore the next day. This isn't good, you know. And you and you you actually feel like you start to panic. Mm-hmm. And and he would you know at that at the moment you'd be like, oh, you know, I can't do it. He'd come up and touch Ming Men, and then you'd be like, oh okay. And you'd be able to get through it. And I've seen the same yeah. thing with my students. Like when I made them, mm. the first times I make them stand an hour and I set the clock and their face goes white, you know, like he's right. going to make us do this, you know. And, and then yeah. like 35, 40 minutes in, you see people like they're panicking. Their body goes into panic mm. mode and you go up mm-hmm. and touch them and can reconnect everything. And then they, they sail through the rest and, and it's yeah. very empowering to realize you can do it, which I think is part of it. Um, and part of it is for it not to be so horrible, mm-hmm. for, which it usually is for about a year. Like you're just, right. okay, I'm going to get up and do my standing. And part of you is looking forward to it. And the other part of you is like, I want to stay in bed. I, you know, I, I don't want to get up and do it. And, and then later you kind of yeah. seek to do it. Like it, <clears throat> you want to do it because it gives you something. That, and that later I saw tied into the way the way I needle, the way you put your hands on somebody. It's all like Santi, like Pichuan, mm. where it comes from the Dantian, and it trains you to move like that. And so it makes it makes those right. skills that you've learned much much easier to do because you're really only doing the one thing. You're just doing you're just doing splitting. Sure. Yeah. Right. And do you feel like? you know, having studied Shinny and Bagua, that sometimes I hear folks that have an opinion that one is superior oh, yeah. to the other in terms of what it, you know, what it conveys. And I, you know, I, I think I know you well enough that you're well, not you, going to well, say that, but like, do you have a way you that you do bar, parse you it do bar, in right, terms yeah, of, so. I do. Yeah. But I can't yeah. speak to Shinyi. So it's like, you know, sometimes you're like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to learn Shinyi now. That's yeah, the yeah, shit. Right. Or like, um, okay. some Tai Chi okay. people say Tai Chi is the ultimate, but the other two are lesser. You right. Know, and, uh, right. <laughs> Grand ultimate. <laughs> or Liu Bafa, like people are like, well, this is all of them. You can only study this if you're super advanced. I'm like, May, I, what do I know? I mean, you know, when it comes to I don't know the whole. Arts, I learned half kind of, of Liu Bafa form a long time ago. I never kept it up. I never learned. They also yeah. purportedly have some animal forms. Now, I've only seen mm. um I forget his name. He's he's into the Chicago area. Uh Whelan Choi do the these animal forms mm. and they look like Xing Yi. Yeah. yeah, my understanding was that the only form yeah. like Helen Leong, whose dad was the guy that sort of like popularized it, she only yeah. talks about one. And form. I only ever heard of that until later <laughs> I heard I've heard other people say there's like the goose there's like animal forms. And so when I look at them, right. they're short three move things like Xing Yi. Um, mm-hmm. mm. So I don't know if that's an add on later. I don't know enough about Leo Hobafa. I don't know that anybody really right. knows because, yeah. you, you know, Chen Tuan supposedly made right. it up. And then centuries later, this other guy showed up and found his manuscript. And, and other people say, no, it's a direct lineage from Chen Tuan. And I'm like, that's kind of a sketchy to trace. Because Chen Tuan, we hardly know anything about the guy. Um, though there's a lot of stories. Right. But um, to speak to it, my feeling is Xing Yi might be the most primal of the three internal systems. 
um, because it goes mm. back to really standing still is the main is the key, uh, and we see how that became each one, mm-hmm. um, but changed to a different posture. Mm. Um, and then and then these five seminal movements. Right. I mean, that's the essence of Shingi, right? So it's it's about as primal as you can get compared mm-hmm. to Bagua. But we also know that Shingi is very old, right? And it argu- arguably, which is older, Taiji yeah. or Shingi, it depends on how you trace lineages and when you think Shingi really started. If you believe um, uh, Uefe created it, then it's really old. Uh, but I'm not really sure that's true. But even Gigi Kuei, right. who's is pretty far back compared to Bagua, which is not that old, right? Mm-hmm. And yet we don't know much about it. Right. <laughs> we don't know about much about what Deng Haichuan actually did. Mm-hmm. Um, and and actually exactly what his right. disciples learned. We know what the Chung style is today and the Liang style. We don't know what they actually learned. Um, so I, I I don't think one is Bagua's more fun sometimes because there's a lot more stuff to do. But that also sometimes leads people away from the foundation, which is the most basic stuff, the single palm change, which is like Pichuan. Um, and the fundamentals. Right. Um, right. So I, I've always used Shingi as kind of mm-hmm. being in the middle, like Bagua's over here, Taiji's over here. The one that actually is the closest to mm-hmm. both is Shingi, because Shingi, lo- certain moves look like Taiji, mm-hmm. and certain moves are like linear Bagua applications. Mm-hmm. So I see it as a connecting link right. between them right. and not one as superior uh, to the other. Uh, well, I think. It's, yeah. It's, no, sorry. go ahead. <clears throat> well, it's interesting you say that because um, my major influence for Tai Chi is Dr. Yang, uh, Yang Jiaming, yeah. and I've, I, he does a lot of. Um, uh, Taryn and I did this a little bit last retreat, um, like spinal waving yeah. and, and coiling mm-hmm. in his Tai Chi, and. <clears throat> And like when you do, we do the Tai Chi ball exercises, he, you know, you do the standing, you know, like kind of high horse stance and then you do like a forward stance and then you stepping back and forth and then you do the Bagua circle with it as like the advanced way to do it. So there's like all these, and plus he does a lot of like fudging. Like once you're doing the Tai Chi form, you should be doing slow and then pop and then, you know, very explosive and that. From what I again, I wish I had studied. That's on my bucket list. Is is uh, Xingyi, <clears throat> but um, um, when he when you do like the the Tai Chi form, it's even in the beginning he wants you to practice slowly, and then once you're soft and you've developed that uh, awareness, then he wants you to practice the the fajing with it. So it seems. Looks really similar. So well, Fa Jing is going to look similar whether it's Tai Chi, Xing, or Bagua, right? That's true. And the I guess, spinal yeah. wave is in all that's those true. arts because they're all using the same principle. So, yeah, I didn't, I didn't learn anything about the spinal waving until I studied with him. Yeah, and Xing, very, you know, the Yang style that's like for health kind of thing. You look like a robot. <laughs> <laughs> Well, in some Xingyi styles, you see people actually like, you know, practice like this, like a real exaggerated spinal wave. Now, the Xingyi that I do now, they, they would say that's really bad. And it has, to come, it has to come naturally. 
through the practice of breathing exercises, standing, where, where there's, a, there's an internal movement that starts to happen spontaneously, that is the Fajin. And, and then your teacher can show you how to use that in the elements and things. Um, and I've seen people in China who practice that extreme Fajin. And yeah, they're scary, powerful, but they, it can make people crazy. Uh, because because it, it can actually, mean, when you fudge in repeatedly and don't hit anything, if, if you fudge in me, the force goes into me and you're fine, right? There's an equal and opposite reaction. Mm-hmm. Where otherwise does the equal and opposite reaction happen? Inside of your body. And so you can shock your own liver doing bong chuan with that kind of power. And so in the yeah. style I learned there, Second, the second style learner, like, no, you, you never practice that way. You practice soft, and only uh, in certain forms do you show the fajin on certain moves, and not every time you practice it. But those are the places where you start to express the fajin in these specific places. And I've seen people, they'll get like, uh, you'll, you'll be talking I, to them, and they'll... Uh, I saw one Bagua guy in China like this and his school brothers were kind of, they were like, oh yeah, look at his Fajin. And they were making fun of him because he's all like, oh, he's got all this twitchy stuff because he's he's actually damaged the nerves in his neck from, you know, his neck oh, wow. taking the shock, right? Whoa. So you have to be careful yeah, yeah. of that, right? That's why you, you practice soft or Bagua, you, Bagua, you practice smoothly mm-hmm. most of the time, right? And then you occasionally express Fajin. Uh-huh. More more in the linear moves, mm. but not not only in the linear moves, but but not all the time. Right. At least that's my understanding. You know, you I want to get the chi to move smoothly. You don't want to shock it. Yeah, particularly the liver doesn't like that, but you can also shock the other organs. Um, I, I'd love to talk with some higher level practitioners of it because I'm still a novice with it i mean i've finished the form and all but like you know i practice as much as i can with that as far <clears throat> to my understanding they, i mean the the ones that i see that do it um like jonathan and uh, michelle who are on you know his disciples doing it online um it looks so soft like you can almost yeah, yeah. see like their bones shaking kind of soft you know it's like this reverberation it's just like whoa and <clears throat> i don't know i know in my own body i i can kind of understand where you're coming from because it it i get hot i get nice and hot when i practice that and i don't do it much because i just I, i'm just working i'm still working on you know joint health so i can only do it so much and then i'm like okay we gotta take a break um but yeah i get like fired up when i do it but i don't know if that's my you know, Shaolin training, which is very external to internal. You're very hard and, until you're soft. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in all really these arts, the you're trying to feel the bones moving inside the flesh and, and to be soft in the training. Now, Xingyi doesn't look always as soft as Taiji because it's not as fluid. Bagua also is like a twisted rope. So you're, mm. but within that, the fibers of the rope have a looseness, right? They only become tight by being twisted as a whole. Um, but in the end, you try to be soft. And, and you watch older practitioners 
like I've trained with a lot of really old men and, and they're, you know, it's like a, it looks lazy. It looks lazy till they hit you with it, you know, or it almost looks sloppy uh. <laughs> until you really look. And then you're like, Oh no, it's just cause he's so relaxed that it looks like casual. Right. And then, and Xing Yi, the saying is, you know, fighting and boxing is like snapping your fingers or taking a walk. It's natural, but to get to be natural, takes a lot of doing stuff that seems really, really unnatural. <laughs> uh, you know, I, and, and I think when I perceive that some of the tooth person things in Xing Yi were in the beginning, everybody's kind of shuffle, shuffle. And it looks, it looks like, how could this ever be like fighting and fluid? And one day you realize, oh, you're just walking forward. You're just walking forward and striking, right? And, or you're walking backward and then you're counterattacking. But to get to that point, it first is a little bit robotic in the beginning. And you gradually become softer. And then you realize, oh, there's steps between the steps. Or you can take half steps. Or you could walk two steps. You know, it becomes free. And the whole point of boxing is for it to become natural, right? Which leads us back to, I think, skills. To me, the idea of having being having mastery of something is that yes, it's almost like what was so special and you wanted so badly when you started. Maybe martial arts, maybe acupuncture school, and you saw this guy come in and treat people and look like amazing, right? Is that it becomes ordinary, like it's not special anymore. It's just who you are, and you have these skills and. And you realize, are they any more special than anybody else's skills in making a pot or my wife's a musician? Play? Like, like it's special in a performance, but you don't view your ability to, to play a keyboard as special if you're a professional musician, right? It's ordinary. It's a, it's a skill that you have. It's an everyday skill for you. You have moments of performance that are maybe these high points, like we have moments in a martial arts encounter where or teaching a class where you make a discovery, it feels effortless. But on another level, there's nothing special about it anymore, which is sometimes why people stop doing it, I think. It's special, but not special. <laughs> I think, though, too, there's that, like, mm-hmm. there's... yeah. Yeah, there's still there's still like it, it's not special, but it's also kind of miraculous, right? This process that you're talking about that a, that a being can, you know, take something that they've never experienced and through time, right? First, it looks like robots, and then it's like you start to notice, oh, well, the robot's doing two things. Oh, there's three things. Oh, within that thing, there's something else, and then you like you know this kind of iterative iterative interiorization and increase in resolution of our understanding yeah, of this process until the technique like no longer seems to exist than it is, as you say, totally natural. But I feel like that loops us back into what you were saying at the beginning in terms of like this, you know, no one thing, no 10,000 things, because inherently the process, right. Of assimilating all these things and like turning it into something that is no longer to be apprehended, but is actually something that, you know, naturally flows through mm-hmm. that really is the same in any arena. Yeah. No, and I feel like um, when I'm practicing, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I actually know that much. Right. Right. It's <clears> when I it's when I'm working with students where you go, oh yeah, you see, blah blah blah, and you suddenly are like, where did all that come from? Like, <laughs> I don't think about that. Like, right. 
but it comes out because now there's a stimulus. Yeah. Sort of like in a, you know, if you said, tell me everything you know about acupuncture, you'd be like, you'd feel like, what could I possibly tell you that's at all interesting, right? But right. then in a clinical encounter, it's like all these, the computer's running, right? And all these files start opening up with all this knowledge that you forget that you have on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. But it just gets pulled up and pulled up by the, the encounter stimulates it. It creates an energy yeah. that starts this, this machine inside you running. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it, it's like this contextual relational yeah. space that then that's actually where that memory is like held in this thing that's bigger than me as an individual. Right, without, or the, you con- as an individual. without the context, you can't access it. Without right, the, uh, and then all of a sudden it's happening. Yeah, right? in the in between. And I think that's space. what's super interesting. So you're totally this idea of actually like I've been toying with this soul, wrote about it this year, the sitting and forgetting meditation. Yeah. Is, and my one of my Filipino stick teachers used to say this. He was like, be like, to remember, you have to forget. First you forget, then you remember, and then you forget again. And we'd all go like, okay, there's some <laughs> Filipino humor, you know. But he's actually right. Like you, you actually yeah. have to get the knowledge and then throw it away kind of in your mind mm-hmm. to be able to access it. And maybe mm-hmm. this goes back to your your guy in class who um, read all the books, right? And then he's frozen because right. the knowledge is too much in his forefront of his mind. It's not yeah. just in his bones where he can pull it out as needed or where, or where it comes out mm-hmm. in the context. Obviously, because he, he's out of school, he has no context <laughs> yet. <laughs> he has to develop right. it, right? Um, yeah. But I, I really think that's the fascinating thing about the learning process of these kind of arts or maybe any art um, that are, but these are sort of body based. I mean, even acupuncture to some degree is Mm -hmm. it's based in your body and your interaction with another body. Um, The interaction is what facilitates, right? The human connection is what brings it out and develops it. I always think that's fascinating. So, you know, like now I haven't been tra- practicing medicine much, so I feel like I've kind of forgotten it all until someone asks, until someone writes me with a question. And then it's like the files start opening up, you know, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but it's not on the tips of my fingers like when I was teaching, right, where, where you have to spout it out all the time. It sort of only comes out now if, if it's relevant to the situation. And I think my martial yeah. arts is much more like that than it used to be. More like it also only comes yeah, out when, when, it's when, a, when a student relevant. does something. You're like, no, you can't do that. Here's why. Boom, boom, right. boom. And it's like, wow. Right. It's like I wrote that down mm-hmm. somewhere, but I never don't remember ever thinking that. It's like right. your body knows right? and it comes out. Yeah. right? Or somebody tries mm-hmm. something yeah. that unexpected mm-hmm. and you're like, no, no, that's not going to work. Right. <laughs> and here's why it's not going to work. And then you can yeah. go through all the mechanics of mm-hmm. why, but that's not actually how you arrived at it. It's because you cha- you, right. your body instinctually mm. knows, and that's what you're seeking. And there's always another level yeah. that you haven't achieved. Right. So in your own, like, martial training these days, uh, especially in the pandemic, since, like, now, like, you're going to go hang out with your teachers in China, how are you working, like, if you're, if you're open to talking about it, because, like, you know, you're at this level where you're teaching a lot of folks. At the same time, my experience of you is that you're someone who's always, like, every time I've 
we've worked together, you have a, you know, there are new things that seem to be engaging you. You like have a different slightly take on something, even if it's something we've talked about before. And so that to me seems to indicate that you have a way of continuing to, to push that edge in your own inquiry. Well, so like, I guess I'm wondering, A, am I right? And B, if I am, what does that look like? Uh, I'm always researching martial arts. So like, mm -hmm. you know, I had promised Zhao Daiwan I'd do his third book. And then when the pandemic came, I was like, I got to do things that actually make some money. A book on Chinna does not make any money. So I, I put it on the I put it on the back burner and worked on other projects. And those projects are stimulating, you know, they're even as I'm writing them, they're changing. And you and you're mm. researching things and and then right. when I came back to Jad Aron's book as an example, suddenly I'm spending hours a day looking at pictures and resizing them one by one and writing the descriptions of Chinna. So it's like a, it's like mm. you're doing the techniques. Uh -huh. um, so then you're like, oh, that's an interesting one, huh? How do you get into that? Uh, right. Okay, you know. And I'm always looking at other Bagua styles, certain people's expressions that I go like, oh, he is a very interesting. Why, how? Why does he do it that way? Where does that come mm. from? Um, how does it relate to these exercises they do in that style? Whether I practice them, I might practice them briefly to get some mm -hmm. grasp of how. Oh, I see. We have that in our system too. I just didn't think of it that way. So now I can think about the things in my system that way. I don't have to practice two systems, which is necessarily right. not efficient, but I'm always researching yeah. that, that kind of stuff. And then somehow that leads mm -hmm. you to a medical thing. Uh, I don't, I don't know mm. where the medical thing leads you to a Bagua thing or Qigong thing, right. or um, I, I've, recently had experience with using a few herb formulas to treat COVID. Um, and that led me to some books that made a statement about certain herbs. And that led me to this statement was about them leading out the old and making way for the new. And I'm like, ah, that sounds a lot like tuna breathing exercises. And so you uh -huh. make, Oh, well, how does would that affect COVID? You know, we're spitting out the, right. the pathogen and drawing yep. it, making way for the, the body's healing powers. So that leads to a mm -hmm. whole other line where suddenly you're, you were doing Qigong and now you're, or you're working with herbs and now you're diverted off in another mm -hmm. angle, um, which sometimes leads to an article or something or um, has led me <laughs> to a whole doing whole books. I mean, but, Oh. Right. Which um, in some ways it's like, thank goodness for this time to be able to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I've always done it, but I've had yeah more time to ruminate. Mm. And then your daily practice, if it's, I mean, people talk about plateaus in training and I've had plateaus, but I, I'd say 90% of the time, if I, in a good day's training, you discover one thing. So that's not a plateau. That's a like, eh, right. And, then another, eh. and so you're always, but that requires also uh, being open and not just like, no, I do these 10 exercises in this order. And I only do them this way. And I don't think about any way that you could do it. How I don't relate them to anything else in my life. And that then you'll right. plateau. But if, if you're mm -hmm. constantly have a inquiring mind and observing mind, um, I think you can make those incremental jumps mm -hmm. um, and you can make up for maybe 
a lack of education. Maybe you weren't able to be in China with your teacher for 15 years training every day, but you could only go once a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, if you can fill in those gaps on your own, certainly I think internal arts is conducive to that. And Chinese medicine is conducive, right? You learn a few principles, you think about them, mm-hmm. you apply them suddenly. Um, it opens up a whole new realm of inquiry for your observations. It's one of the things that's killed me with uh, doing continuing ed for Chinese medicine, right? Is you have to take so many courses. And, um, and I'm always like, why, why is it a course that like I've, I've sat down with someone like Craig Mitchell had lunch and he says two things and mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. And then you go home, you go home and those two <laughs> things become 50 things and hours of looking through books. Why isn't that count? Like, why do exactly. I have to sit in a class, Thank you. sit in a class where maybe it's interesting or maybe it's just someone repeat, like practically reading out of a book, but I, I get credit yep. for that. And, mm-hmm. and I, I yep. actually think those kind of encounters, like you have lunch with somebody and they, they lay something on you and they, they're just talking casually. They're not trying to lay anything on you. It only meant something because you were in a space right. where that hit your brain in a certain way. I think those are seminal moments and what develop you as a practitioner. Um, totally. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be someone who knows more than you. It could be someone who's an equal or maybe you even have more experience than them, but they, they say something that comes at you at a certain angle. And I, I've definitely seen that with martial arts where, uh, like I, I met when I first met Gao Ji Wu, I only got to train with him briefly. And then I went back and there were some circumstances around it, which where I felt like someone got in the way of us having this final meeting that was going to solidify a relationship. And so we left and I never got to do that. So I made a point of going back just to solidify the relationship. I said, I'm not really here to train. I just want to talk to you and reconnect. And so we worked out a little bit, but he showed me some things about kicking that changed everything in Bagua kicking. And it was literally a 10 minute thing where he would like screen something Mm. and, and then his knee would come up and hit me in the armpit. And I'd be like, you know, or like the way he picked his leg up that was so hidden and, treacherous like you could see the angle he was going and so like and he related to one of the ways of stepping and that changed everything and yet i didn't spend days with him in the park doing it was 10 minutes but but i was at the right point where that went into my brain like an arrow right or into my body like an arrow whereas maybe Mm -hmm. if it was at a different time and i was in a different mode yeah it would have just been poop Right. So I, I, my experiences are so many things yep. like that in learning. Uh, it's very, yeah. very interesting. Yeah. Like what, what changes a hundred things and what you sit there for four hours and it doesn't change anything. Right. You're just bored. <laughs> right. Um, but those kind of, mm-hmm. those kind of things are very interesting to me. And so I'm always looking for those things and those can happen. I mean, I have colleagues in the martial arts world who are like guys who can really fight that are like my, that I consider equals or more than equal, um, not necessarily in the styles mm-hmm. I do, uh, but they're like my litmus test. If I have a, right. oh, you know, I've been thinking about this Bagua thing and they'll, you know, mm-hmm. they'll go like, no, 
because I'm going to do this and this and this. And you're like, ah, yeah, good point. Okay. <laughs> but other times you see like, oh, they do something and you match them. They're like, oh, that was really good. You know, and you're like, oh, this Bagua stuff, you know, it works. This works, you know, against this skillful guy. Uh, <laughs> this works. So it's, it's like having those, you, you need your right. peers who are, who teach you as much as your teachers. Mm -hmm. you, you're always looking for teachers, but maybe at a certain point you become your own teacher, but that doesn't mean you're not looking at other things. My, mm -hmm. my uh, Filipino teacher, one of my first teachers, Leo Gotti, right. I mean, he would like literally, I saw him he, in the Philippines. He'd go like to these older guys who had all these schools mm -hmm. going, Oh, uncle. Could, well, Oh, could you do that one more time? And then it was like, you know, in his pocket. Like he had it. He saw it twice. Done. Not only was it done, mm -hmm. but two months later, he'd be back in the U.S. And he'd taken that technique, changed it, and integrated it into his system seamlessly as though it was always there. And you're just like, that's – but that's a mastery level. Wow. He doesn't need to study with that guy for months and months. Yeah. He just needs to hang out with him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right, because um, he's already got all the other skills. Mm -hmm. Vince Black yeah. was like that, and I learned a lot to to have some measure of being right. able to do that. Maybe not at the level, not at the. I'm not claiming I can do it at the level those guys could, but, mm -hmm. but that's like if you observe someone who can do it, you can grasp how that happens yourself. Right, um, right. And I've had people in China go, "Oh, he's too smart. You got to watch it." <laughs> you know what you show them but once they know that then you're screwed right. it's just right. better to be right. dumb <laughs> or to right. think you're dumb yeah. uh -huh. and I found oh. for me better not to speak Chinese or not um, because they'll talk in front right. of you as though you don't understand them and I, I don't speak Chinese uh, oh. but I speak body language <laughs> right. and my translator speaks Chinese and He's listening. Uh, <laughs> um, so, so that like seeing what they're talking about and with it, the, you can't understand the language. You only pick up certain words that you know that relate to the art, but you see what they're talking about because you're, you're forgetting about the words. You're looking past the words. So sometimes that's good. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, yeah. sometimes I probably miss a ton of stuff because I don't speak Chinese. <laughs> Uh, right. right. So, Tom, what does your your daily practice look like in terms of you know? Do you? I do. I mean, you you know so many things. Like what? That's what? The uh, you practice well, Exactly. So that's one of the reasons why I'm asking. You know, it's like how how do you kind of work with that? I'm. I would guess there's some kind of. So mostly, I practice Santi sure, mm -hmm. uh, standing. Pichuan, uh, the very slow practice of Pichuan, where, where you're doing it to really sense the, as, a, as a chi body development exercise. Um, uh, and then uh, the tuna breathing exercises in Shini. And then in Bagua, the walking the circle, holding fixed postures mm -hmm. and the eight, old eight palms. I mean, that's right. But I also do practice all the weapons and I practice all the advanced forms. But right. I don't do them that much. Right. Um, and then um, in terms of, I go through phases where I work more on one 
like right now I'm doing some Taoist yoga more because it's spring and I feel a little mm-hmm. been sitting around too much and stiff, right. you know. Yeah. Um, but that will probably change back to Tuna Saba, uh, the breathing mm-hmm. from Shingi later. Uh, when I'm writing a course, like I've been working on the Five Animal Frolics course in the summer, I was working on it and then I put it aside for a while. That'll come out mm-hmm. later in the year. Then I'll go back to practicing that for a while, which is never right. one I practiced very much. But it's so mm. shingy like the one I do right. that it's not a, a real reach to do it. It's more Got it's it. more the reach for me is getting to the sort of shamanic part of that. Because mm. I most of the qigongs I do I don't think of as like shamanic in that classic way. But I well, you're bringing the spirit of the but the, the five into your body five while you're doing the yeah. That's clearly part of it. Um, you you yeah, but man, like in shingy, you don't I, try and be a snake. <clears throat> You use the mechanics of the snake and you'll watch snakes. To see. But in the bear frolic, you are kind of being the bear a little bit, you know. <laughs> I will tell you, though, Tom, one of my most vivid memories of studying Bagua with you is when you were talking about, and I can't actually remember which move it was, but you were talking about in the 12, I think it was in the, it's in the 12 standing postures and you're talking about the dragon expressing its claws and you did this thing and I was like, Oh yeah, well, it, it it was a remarkable moment, you know. As someone who spent a fair amount of time in traditions where bringing beings into your body is like part of the practice, seeing that in this context that was not necessarily about that, like, dude, that dragon was up inside. I'm telling you, like, I could <laughs> well, see well, it coming is, out of your eyes. It was. You do have to change when you do each animal, right? In Shing, in mm, Shingi, yeah. particularly, and and the so, but I don't think of it as like. Like, I, I feel the five animal frolics, if you read the history, which is vague, it may have come from right. these dances, which were health mm-hmm. dances. But I, there's a question in my mind, was it just that? Or I mean, this is like going back to hunter, gatherer, China. Were you sure. also becoming the bear to understand the bear, right? And she, right. I mean, it seems to be now, pretty in universal in Shingi, as a practice, I don't think right? You're doing that. You're you're studying the animal mm-hmm. to get at some elemental core of the way the animal expresses power and energy. So you do mm-hmm. it is you do have mm-hmm. to become a snake a little bit, but I don't mean like it's not like those kung fu movies, you know, where you you right. and you look like a, it's mm-hmm. it's more like an right. internal. Um, the way the snake uses its ribs, the, the way the snake can, if you grab the right. middle, the tail hits. If you grab the head, you know, if you grab the head, the tail hits. If you grab the middle, they both hit. That kind of. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's imitative rather than it being right. something but it, about. But it like, can't you know, be. Yeah. It's not a possession. But, but you have to imitate it from the inside out at a certain point. And that's what you saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. So, like, I can do the monkey and I can, and become them to a sense, but I don't feel like the monkey spirit has taken over me or something, right? It's it's a you're, you're playing with right. a, the way the monkey closes his hand and the way that connects to the foot and the the way the oppositional the, the left knee connects to the right elbow and the way the monkey climbs a tree mm-hmm. to where that becomes instinctive, or the way the tiger uses its spine. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it pounces. And in, right. in Xingyi, those things are clearly mm-hmm. described yeah. in these short poems. Like, like they're basically saying, this is what we're talking about. When we say sparrowhawk, we mean these four things. 
The sparrowhawk shrinks its body. Mm. The sparrowhawk goes in around right. the trees, which are like the opponent's arms, right? Um, yeah. He soars yeah. and he spirals, right? So those are the things you're, you're – those are the mm-hmm. body abilities you want to get from that animal. And they're very specific. They, they kind right. of list them out in a poetic form. Yeah. And then, and then Xingyi itself is some conglomerate of the shoulder of the bear, the back, the tiger's embrace, the eagle claw, right? Those are the chicken step or the rooster step. Those are present in all the animals. But obviously the bear shoulder is more present in the bear. <laughs> and the chicken leg is most present in the chicken, right? right? But I mean, what are they? They're metaphoric, yeah. right? For a certain a certain way of being mm-hmm. able to, which is what I love about the Chinese stuff. It's, it's not like, Oh, chicken is move your leg like this and contract your psoas 20 degrees. And it's like, no, we give you an image and it's right. up to you to figure out how that image helps you to do it. Right. But that's so much more than mm-hmm. saying, right. Contract your psoas <clears throat> or something. And so people have studied that kind of, um, yeah, like J- Travel stuff where they're so it actually screws them up because they start going, Oh, I mm-hmm. see you're using your, you know, your, this muscle in your chest. And you're like, yeah, but no, you are, but you aren't like, are you doing this with your psoas? And you're like, yeah. Right. But if you just think about your psoas, it's going to be all wrong. Right. Mm, right. Because it's not things <laughs> yeah. in space. It's processes. It's processes. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so that mm-hmm. really right. gets in people's way when they apply that Western same like with Chinese medicine, that Western totally. approach. Uh, we see it with COVID where <clears throat> I gave – I mean, I didn't treat extensively COVID, but right. the tendency is to want to give these antivirals, right? So it's mm-hmm. – but they actually don't work that well, right? right. Xiao Chai Hutong works well, and yet there's like one antiviral herb in there, maybe two, mm-hmm. right? Because it does this qi dynamic thing, right, where it thrusts the pathogen out. And it changes the way you're reacting to the pathogen. And it, and there's cases where like one bag and the person's like, oh, my God, I'm back in my body, right, with COVID. And, and you're just like, how's that possible, right? Like, I mean, even though I yeah. know it's possible in Chinese medicine, still, it's impressive as hell. Like their whole yeah. mental state, physical state, fatigue, it all changes like because you hit the right formula. Uh, the- mm-hmm. Theoretically, because right. you're such a smart doctor, but maybe it's partly, <laughs> maybe by, partly by luck. But, yeah, but well, yet those know. antiviral formulas rarely work like that. Mm. And, and in fact, they're problematic in these kind of situations, right? So this, yeah, that thing of like, it's not just the virus, right? It's the way your body reacts. Right. It's not just your psoas. It's all the stuff around your psoas right. too. Yeah. Right? Uh, and, and I think yeah. it, we always want it in the the Western thing really gets in the way of this, these kind of arts. I mean, we're Western, so we can't help knowing it, but we have to kind of put it on the side and do it this way and follow the method. Um, my yeah. teachers were always like, especially the Xing Yi teachers, like Song Ziyong, you have to follow the rules. And that's following the method. If you don't follow the method, there's the reason there's a method. It's just like you want to make gunpowder, right? There's ingredients and there's a method of mixing it. And then you get gunpowder. You do it wrong. You don't get anything, right? And it's, it's no different with this. There's the ingredients are the body. 
and the breath and the and and then you have to put it together in this particular way for it to transform into the thing you're trying to get um mm-hmm. but we don't it's funny we don't change like take that gunpowder analogy and apply it to these arts people want to go they think it's different than that sometimes students but yet if yeah. you said it in a scientific way they go of course it's like that right you got to mix it right you got to heat it the right temperature right oh well why would this be different it's it's a technology mm-hmm. in a sense that has mm-hmm. methods of operation Absolutely. and technical techniques mm-hmm. and if you do them right right for a period of time, which might be different for different people, you will get a certain product right. or a certain realm of product, right? It'll all be different for each of us, but right. we'll all be in the same place mm-hmm. kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think that's interesting. It's always like you have to know the rules before you break the rules, right? Or before you bend them. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Same with Chinese medicine. We have to know the rules of how the, acupuncture works and how herbs are combined and then we and then master herbalists mm-hmm. tinker with all that a little bit they they kind of twist formulas mm-hmm. around and yeah and that's where right. the art lies I, I you know it's endlessly fascinating this stuff i mean and it kills me because some of my te- like league Chong. i mean here's a guy who's been doing 60 years before he died i saw him once when none of the students here at all and he's just like He's still pra- like fascinated as hell because he's still smiling. So he's like, practicing Pichuan, like first, first, first element, right? And he's still like, oh yeah, oh I, that was pretty cool, you know. At least, at least that's what it looked like to me. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. That's how you, that's how you want it to be, right? Right. Um, to be exciting right. and yeah. to excite the energy. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, I also think, where some people in internal arts we we forget that partly what you're trying to develop is the ability to excite the energy. It, it comes up. Mm-hmm. You're you're just like, hey, you know, mm-hmm. you just look normal, and then the attack, bah, the energy comes out. Right? It's like it comes up through the body, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. a lot of Xingyi is that is to get that primal um, energy to come up. So that, so that there's no to remove mm. the obstruction of thought and action that mm-hmm. you're like a cat that just reacts <laughs> when you touch it and how its flesh like sinks away. I'm not saying I can do that, but Song can right. do it. Like you touch him and it's literally like mm. he doesn't go like this. It's like the part you touched goes like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is weird, right? Mm-hmm. It's weird when wow. you feel it. But yeah. so he's he spent so many years developing this ability of the energy to react and instantly without any thought process. It's very interesting, mm. right? What it's, I mean, I can only imagine what it's like to live in that body like that. Cause I can do it to agree, but not to agree. <laughs> he can do it. Um, right. Right. Yeah. It almost sounds like I, so, I, I'm thinking, sorry. Um, no, go for it. I'm, I'm feeling like, most of my experience has, has been external to internal, right? With a fair amount of internal, but um, especially the last twelve years or so, I've really we do our our training is really intense, very cardiovascular, um, constant, just go go go. We go for an hour and a half solid, and then we do forms, yeah, or we go for like it's a lot, right? And we just and but I kind of 
after doing it for so long, I understand the the reasoning behind it. It's really you're building up enough chi, <clears throat> building up enough you know circulation, getting your organs in shape, allowing your heart to pump fast enough. Uh, or get healthy enough to actually like just have that energy readily available. Um, so it's almost like um, the the cheater's guide to getting into the accessing that energy internally. But like I, so because I've done both sides yeah. of the coin, I can see like I, when I'm. It, and it's hard for me now because, I've, again, I've done the external for so long, trying to go back to the internal and access it in that more in that quiet space rather than in a continuously, you know, frenetic space. Um, it's like allowing it to come from an internal place rather than I'm like I'm already warm and I'm ready to go. I'm I'm soft and I'm relaxed and then allow it to arise. Yeah. Um, do you find like it took you a long time yeah. to develop that. Yeah, because I came because I came out of external arts too, or arts that were, or at oh, least okay. well, I did um, Filipino arts, stick and dagger fighting. Oh, okay. For that, I did karate, and oh, I did overlap okay. kajakembo, street fighting, Hawaiian kempo stuff with, <laughs> yeah. with my shingi in the early days. Till I realized like it was actually getting in the way of my development. But it did give me some mm. of this kind of certain energy that could be useful for survival in a fight. And they have interesting techniques. Um, mm. And they have a different way of getting the So there, the instinctual energy, the guy throws a medicine, you lay on the floor and they throw a medicine ball in your stomach full bore. I mean, you work up to it and you key eye it. And then when you, when you do the techniques, mm. you're, you're actually hitting the other guy full out at the belt level. Um, so you put uh. the belt high instead of down on your hips mm. and, and you turn the knot to the mm -hmm. side mm. And, and that's the target so mm -hmm. that you can hit full out. Mm -hmm. And that builds a certain instinctual energy that comes up because it's a, the harder you get hit, the more energy comes up and, and it builds over time. Mm. Um, but the internal way is different, right? It's it's supposed to come up naturally, but for it to come up naturally takes time. And I, I actually think Xing Yi in particular is mostly, a, but all the internal arts are more about that than they are about techniques. The techniques are secondary. Mm. Certainly Bagua's nature lends itself to certain kinds of techniques that we see in bottle, all kinds of strange throws and twisting, winding the guy up and locking spine and uh, chin up because of the angles you're taking. Uh, but even there, the whole point of walking the circle is for this energy to come, this, this energy to be cycling inside you all the time. In fact, it's, mm -hmm. it's actually not this cause it's going, <clears throat> it's going in both directions at the same time. Right. Um, and that's what you're mm. ultimately, I think, trying to do. The techniques are secondary to that. And I think it, it is interesting, mm. like you mentioned Sistema earlier. Um, there's a bunch of stuff in Sistema mm. that Vasiliev, is it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It looks like Bagua. Almost almost mm -hmm. exactly like Bagua. Yet I don't think he ever yeah. studied Bagua. Like I'm not claiming he not to my I'm knowledge. not claiming he ripped it off from Bagua. Yeah, it's yeah, more like there's right. universal principles of movement mm -hmm. and right. people discover them. Um, yeah. And I, I remember watching one of his tapes and going, 
that's pretty awesome. Those are like Bagua exercises and he's using them as techniques, right? And, Right. He's using them as both, actually. And and I thought, really yeah. interesting. Like, he also had, oh, I wouldn't have thought of using that that way. That's kind of cool. Right. <laughs> yes. You know, so so it's, yeah. if you build that energy, oh, he's this guy's going to manifest it this way. This guy's going to manifest it that way. Right. This other guy's going to manifest it this way because of their prior training, their personality, mm-hmm. what they're using it for. I mean. It's one of the interesting, the really interesting things about Sistema teaching methodology, at least kind of with the folks that I've studied with, is that the idea is you're going, you're leaning so heavily into principle that you're really trying to not even teach. Yeah, I kind of got that. (laughs) Right. Um, I mean, and there are, people will still teach techniques, right? Because like, you still need to know how to punch somebody without breaking your wrist. And like, you know, like people want to learn a couple of things, but the goal is really to like, put you in enough of these movement contexts where you have to solve a particular kind of, you know, riddle and just figure it out with your body and not try to figure it out with your mind. So it's an interesting approach. I know. And I think that's good because, but I also think techniques are useful. Mm -hmm. Totally. Mm -hmm. And so it's that, that approach we see in internal arts more in this country than in China Mm -hmm. where people are like, they just want to do these foundational practices because that's where it's really at, right? But right. I'm like, the Chinese people don't do that. They, right. they learn techniques. Yeah. They learn chin-on moves. They learn throws. They, mm-hmm. um, they ultimately understand that the technique is um, situational or uh, conditional on a set of energetic convergences. Right. But why are you going to th- – why are you going to – my my question to people who don't teach any techniques is why are you making everybody reinvent the wheel? Right. You, you have generations of people who've said, oh, see, all these chin locks are the same principle. But if you see it, you don't have to reinvent. You, you could spend two years and then go like, yeah, we learned that in chin 101. Right. And you just spent two years figuring that out. Mm-hmm. Like now the danger of the technique is you get fixated on it. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's, and I think it's so you got to walk that line. Yeah, of, definitely. Of there's some yin and yang to this. Learning techniques, but not fixing on them. Mm-hmm. Right. Dissolve, dissolving techniques back to principles. Right. And that's tough because the minute you fixate on a technique, the other guy may be not giving you the thing that makes that technique work. Mm-hmm. Right. And we see this all the time in class, right? You show a technique. And it's predicated on the guy giving, you know, and I'll say it like, okay, this works because he's giving me an energy that pushes my hand this way. And everyone will then proceed to grab the guy like this. So he can't do the technique, right? Or change the angle, pull his hand the opposite way. I'm like, well, if you pull my hand this way, it's a different technique, right? And and Mm -hmm. trying to get that across when you teach the technique way is tough. Yeah. Because... Because your partner doesn't give you that energy and yet you're dutifully as the student trying to do the technique you were shown. And yet the guy's like right. built like a brick shit house, and he's decided not to let you move your wrist at all. Right. Which would be mm-hmm. a different technique. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and so that's the danger with teaching techniques is that mm-hmm. people get fixated on, oh, this thing works, but it only works when this energy configuration happens. Otherwise, it's another yeah. technique. And so I find myself all the time, like I see you guys having trouble and I go over and I go, okay, 
grab me and I go, oh, well, he's not grabbing you the right way. If he grabs you that way, you got to, then I do this technique. If you do that, no, then I have right. to do this other one, right? And people look at it like, oh, mm-hmm. you don't, right. you don't know how to do the technique. <laughs> like, oh, God, you're missing the point, <laughs> right? <laughs> the point is the technique only happens when a certain energetic configuration occurs. Right, right. We're back to context and relationship so, and this desire to put things into a particular like box when it's really something that is, you know, much more. Yeah. So, so a technique is an example, right? Right. Mm -hmm, Totally. Or there, if we show a series of techniques that use one principle, like, like the standard lock like this, that can be done like 50 different ways for 10 different grabs and against a punch, then you're showing a principle of the weakness of the wrist and capitalizing on it, these different angles. Mm Mm-hmm. So, it te- yeah, I think teaching Chinese arts is tough here because people – and maybe it's tough in China. I've never really asked if the teachers bang their head against the wall at night. You know? <laughs> but, but I think because we don't think that way. We're very technique or right. – it's very like one, two, three, four oriented. I learn A, then I learn B, and I do it for three months, and mm-hmm. then I get my next belt. And, yep. and now right. I've ach- I should have achieved this. How come it doesn't work? Well, because you're not – yeah, yeah reality is way yeah, messier yeah. than that. Sloppy, right? Yeah, and 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 learning isn't like that. Learning is this way. It's not. Right. It's not that way. Yeah, yeah, or, or more like yeah, like a three yeah. di- three dimensional yin yang diagram. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there it is again. What were you gonna say? Oh, oh yeah, I was just gonna say. I mean, um, because I have a a, a background in in doing partner training and doing a lot of chin on stuff like that. And then studying with people who don't, we're at a place where they don't, there's no contact. It's just, we're just worried about form doing techniques and it's all, it's more about cultivation. It's not about necessarily, um, does this work? Right. You know, but what I find a lot of times is that, you know, regardless of that principle, you're, it's still something that's a martial art. <clears throat> and so, you know, when you're you're doing something that looks like push the boat to follow the the stream, it's like, well, then you have to know what that is essentially doing in order to have any chi behind it. Yeah, you have to use your mind to follow the chi, right? Because otherwise, it looks like dance, and that's usually what those people well, look like. A- they're actually, doing. I they think usually... they're not getting the health benefit that the art is supposed to convey. So people. When people say, I only want to do it for health, you have to still do what you said, which is understand the purpose, which means you actually have to do it with a partner sometimes. And and in fact, we could, Mm -hmm. I'd I'd say it even more, right? How does my wage become stronger by having impacts on it that it has to measure up whether I get, I have to get sick, right. To build my immune system, right. Mm -hmm. To build up the wage, he has to fight Mm -hmm. a little bit to get stronger it's the same here. If I could be like, oh man, when I do this, I feel so great. Oh. But the minute you touch me, it all comes apart. So, <laughs> so I've gotten them. I've gotten this much, but I'm not getting the full health benefit. Which is, is can I engage this energy when there's a little stressor, like like when I'm not in my house mm-hmm. and it's all quiet mm-hmm. and you know the guy I don't walk out the door right. and the guy yells at me on the street and I. <gasps> Oh God! Now, now it went right into my heart, and I have all this emotional heart nervous stuff, and my pulses. Or am I just like, eh, you know? So, 
doesn't matter, right? Because so I, yeah. I think people when they go, oh, I do Tai Chi for health, it's like meaning they never do any partner thing and they don't know the meaning of the moves. Then you're not actually getting what you think you're getting. You're not getting what your teacher has because mm-hmm. he didn't learn it that way, probably, if he's really good. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I've exactly. seen people get – like when Vince Black taught Tai Chi and he demoed it, it didn't feel soft. You know, it's soft when he does it in the air, but when he when when people were like, "Well, how would you use that?" and boom, and they go flying ten feet into a wall, they'd be like, "Wait a minute, that's not Tai Chi." And he was like, "What are you talking about?" Because you think what we're just gonna oh move you back a little, right? No, that's Tai Chi. That's Tai Chi, and and they got a couple people got very upset. I had him do a seminar in New York years ago. And they were like, that's not Tai Chi. It's so hard. And, and Vince is like, look, I'm not hard. I'm soft. It just feels hard when I do it. And, and he basically said, look, I can tell right. you, you're, if your teacher's good, he did it this way. He learned it this way mm. first. There's nobody who's good at Tai Chi who didn't learn it this way. Mm. And so I think, I think that's really interesting, mm. right? You're doing it for health means – you don't care about fighting. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you shouldn't practice fighting, right? A little bit, a little bit. Right, right. And, and Gao Ji Wu said the same thing. Yeah. He's like, he, I yeah, love right. him because he's not a violent guy at all, and he, but he knows all the moves, right? And he's like, yeah, I mean, he got very serious. Like, we have to know. You have to know the meaning. Like, you have to know that this move, you're plucking his eyeballs out. You know, and then he went, oh, but you'd never do that, you know. <laughs> Like his eyes got all like, but of course we never do that, right? But his point was, when you do it, there's an intention like that. And that's what brings the energy up, right? Mm-hmm. If you're just, right. you know, oh, I wouldn't ever want to, yeah. and I wouldn't ever want to do that. And, you know, then the energy will come up, right? You're backing away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, I, I love the way he, t- he t- I can't, I can't imitate the way he said it. It was so great. <laughs> uh, but it's always <laughs> stuck with me. Yeah, you got to know these, these. Some of these moves are terrible. Mm. You're breaking their neck and stuff, right? But you're not going to mm-hmm. do that on anybody, unless maybe your life's on the line, mm-hmm. right? Or, but yeah, hopefully you'll never have to do it on anybody. But well, definitely, I, th- I, th- I think to know I think for that. modern practitioners, they're also like you won't have to do it because you're not going to put yourself in that situation, right? You know? Right, exactly, and certainly. Yeah. A challenge from another practitioner in China usually usually isn't some life and death contest. It's just a, it, it's usually a right. show of skill, right? So there'd never be a need to do a neck mm-hmm. break or something like that, right? right. Yeah. Even though, even yeah, though you I learn, it, never, oh. no, I say, even though you learn those techniques, right? Right. I don't think I'll ever forget um, being demonstrated on by Master Yang. Because, and I, you know, was with him long enough, like trained, uh, you know, like a couple times a year for a number of years where I could see the progression where he was like, what he was focusing on more and more. And the older he got, the softer he got. But his hands were always, because of the conditioning he did, were like bear paws. They're like three times thicker than mine and he's smaller than me, you know? But when, and when he would do something, it would just it would be like this um this 
gentle tidal wave of of um like benevolent evil <laughs> like it was just like <laughs> oh god oh god <laughs> do you know what i mean it was like it was it was a an immovable force that you could not get yeah. away from and and you get you know it was you know where it was going and you get there and he'd lock you and there was just no way that you could possibly get out and he was just ever so sweet and so and and it was like in the in years before when i first started there was it was almost like there was a little malevolence to it and then the the towards the end it was a very there was a sweetness yeah. to it where like it, you almost felt a loving kindness in the pain that Maybe you were you're feeling. interpreting that and then, <laughs> it could be it's a lot you know the relationship develops and i have more of a fondness but like there was like this really interesting sensation where it was like you know, he'd be talking about, okay, so, you know, in the combat situation, because Chinna was, if you were actually using it, you'd lock and then you'd kill them. It wasn't, you're just holding them and restraining them, being like, okay, somebody get the authorities. It was like, no, boom, kill him, go move on. Um, but he was just so soft, but the power was so yeah. intense and that it, it was just so clear, you know, um, you know, the martial yeah, ability joint, of this. Joint breaking. You know? I don't know. It's not locking. Like we think of locking right. as like, oh, the guy's going to tap mm. out. No, you don't care care about that. Mm. And, and it's about controlling right. <laughs> their body too. I think I think um, mm -hmm. particularly people get very fixated on getting the lock, but it's about getting control of their body, right? Because you lock the whole chain of joints. And mm. um, But I, I feel the mm -hmm. same. I'm not saying I'm benevolent or what you're describing or – I'm sure, sure his chin is better than mine, but when I was younger, when people, if, if someone resisted, I would bury them with the chin lock into the floor. And now I never want to do that. It's like, why? I'll just go, look, if you do that, I'm not going to do this lock. I'm going to do this, right? Like before I just do it. Right. Uh, but then, yeah, when you set bones for 25 years, you always have to fix people. And her <laughs> screwing exactly. your wrist up takes a second. Fixing it does not take a second. It's yeah, yeah. Definitely In fact, not. it could be a couple of treatments, so there's or more. And if you do a really good chin eye, you've actually screwed yeah. up the whole line from their wrist to their elbow to their right. shoulder to their to their neck. Potentially that, up to their neck. That's gonna be a, a yeah. bit of a treatment. Right. So yeah. I'd rather just not do that. You know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think as you get right. older, if you grow right. with these arts, you don't want to hurt people. When you're younger, of course, it's an, a little bit of an unspoken motivation. Some spoken, I mean, but but you have a little bit more motivation right. that way of wanting wanting to have the capability. Yeah. Once you have, no, you have at least mm -hmm. enough capability. Maybe you're not the deadliest guy in the world, but you can you can act. You're not helpless. You don't feel like you need to do that anymore. I don't right. feel like I do, and I don't want to do it. I like showing the locks, yeah. but I don't want to hurt people. Right. Before, I didn't mind if I mm. hurt people. I didn't want to hurt them, but it didn't bother. It didn't bother me. Now it bothers me. Right, right. Like I'm always like, why did I have? Why did it get right. to that far where I had to do that? So I feel like it's my error that there was a uh, way not to right. do that, so I don't do it anymore. And actually, Jaudeon's interesting, right? Because mm. he taught Delta Force. Secret, secret police, um, mm. bodyguards for high officials. Like, so he taught and he admits it. Like, he's like, I had a terrible job. I taught people how to kill for, and now he's retired and he's like the nicest mm. guy. 
he's very serious when he teaches and, he, and his locks are kind of like what you were describing with, with Dr. Young, but, but he's like cracking you up, but he's like making jokes. It's, it's like so lighthearted when you, and you're doing these really nasty techniques, right? But, and he never hurts you. Like you're more likely to hurt each other practicing them because you overdo mm-hmm. it. He knows exactly how much pressure, right. exactly what, how far to go where you just feel mm, a little right. pain and then it's like, oh, yeah. And then he'll make a face like, you know, uh-huh. he'll make some face like, yeah. you know, like what, you know, <laughs> you know, like he's like, if I wanted to do it, it would be like that, you know? Right, right. So it's great to see that the guy who was basically right. teaching, you know, killing techniques or for military, right? But, and he's also interesting because mm-hmm. he has locks that are more for police where you're arresting people, right? So, like, there's a whole series of techniques that he didn't teach right. us, but I've, mm. they're in one of his books where you're you're walking towards the guy and then you put him in a lock. And I'm like, like, why would you ever do that, right? Because you're a policeman and he's a suspect, right? And, he, <laughs> right. and you're undercover. So you're walking right. towards him and then yeah. you, go, you snatch him, which yeah. is actually quite hard to do. It's, it's much easier if he attacks because there's a commitment, no right? doubt. But he's just walking along, and right. and mm-hmm. so uh, that was kind of interesting, you know, like to to see like he's got the older techniques, and then he has these other ones that have been modified for police work. And he interacted with the East German secret police, the Israeli uh, people, you know. So he's picked up little. He's taught them, but then he'll be like, "Oh yeah, but they have this one cool technique," you know. He's like. Like the Stasi had this one cool technique that I extracted, you know, and like, and, and so that's interesting too, like from these Western groups who probably built them out of jujitsu and mm-hmm. arts like that and then modified them for police work uh, or secret mm-hmm. police work, <laughs> which is not always mm-hmm. the same thing. Uh, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. And because he came from a communist yeah. bloc country, he got to work with the secret police from other communist bloc countries right that that, that our police probably wouldn't have gotten uh, yeah so, oh, so he okay. has a, and then he also worked with the delta force in the u.s and right different mm-hmm. groups so he has a broad experience base that he pulls on you know um it's yeah i mean it's crazy how many techniques he knows yeah. i could possibly remember them. <laughs> so tom what are you working on at the moment um i'm working on a tian gan uh online course which will be like a really extensive explanation of all the different ways you can do tian gan i tend to teach it a particular way but there are other expressions and um uh five five animal frolics down the road a course uh, online course on uh, taoist circle walking Mm -hmm. meditation so it's bagua postures for meditation that so many of them are not fighting postures. You couldn't use them for fighting. Um, okay. Got it. So this would be Bagua without no. This is Bagua just for health. Yeah. For for well to um, <laughs> for med, but you're spot you're you're activating the microcosmic orbit through and, okay. and the macrocosmic okay. orbit through the postures and the spirals. So it's cool. it's for health, but it's also like a meditative practice. Okay. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. But I mean. It would if you do bagua for fighting, it would certainly help that. But right. if you, it's not going to teach you how to fight with bagua, right? It's because the postures right. are not protective 
Mm-hmm. You know, they're to let the energy open up in, in, through the spine. Yeah, it's a really interesting method. Um, cool. And then, yeah, the five animal frolics we're talking about still people doing an online Shingi program, but I don't, that's a lot of work and it's hard to show in an mm-hmm. online thing. Hard to show the internal part. And you end yeah. up, if you end up I talking about that. it too much, then that can lead people down the wrong path. Words, yeah. words are not always so useful. So I'm, I'm. I mean, and even with the online Bagua stuff, like we've talked about before, like I think that that course is really good. But if you don't have some in-person components, it's tough. It's really hard to unpack it, and even mm. just a little bit of in-person work can then, yeah. you know, give a person who's got some martial experience enough of a a, a set of tools to like, yeah, and I've, you know. I be able to translate that work best for people who've then done the online for a while and then come and take and gone to a retreat with us and then they get correct. Yeah. And then they're like, Oh, okay. Now I understand it. Right. And, but yeah, right. it's hard. Even, even Qigong's hard, but it's more, it's not as complicated as a martial art. So yeah. those are the main projects. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm still trying to think about doing something with the exercise for rehabilitation course that i used to teach mm. trying to make it a more accessible mm-hmm. for practitioners so i'm working on some ideas with that um but yeah those are the main nice. things focusing I'm, i mean now that i'm not practicing i'm more interested in as opposed to treating people teaching people how they treat themselves right through these methods yeah if i could get away with teaching yeah. people acupuncture online i probably would teach it to the public but I, I don't know that that would go over well with the licensing board, so I'm going to leave that one alone. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's a good call. Because I think, I mean, you know, basic knee treatment so, on yourself, not that complicated and pretty safe. Not that know. complicated. That's true. Yeah. But, yeah, totally agree. Uh, yeah, so, so, I'm, so I'm not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm stating that publicly. Right. <laughs> Discretion is the better part of valor, as they say. Yeah. So Tom, it's been a total pleasure and I am Amazing. so grateful that you've taken the it's time to chat with me. us. It's, it's really it's great been to awesome. talk to you guys and to meet you for the first time. <laughs> and and for us to hook up again after yeah. so long cuz I got used to seeing you at least a few times a year, you know? I know. It's yeah. been a while. Yeah. Hopefully things will change in such a way that we'll be able to see each other a few times a year yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. I soon. hope so. I would love I would love that. Yeah. I would love that. Okay, cool. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks so much, man. Uh, our pleasure. And uh, you're in New York, so we should. Yes. We should meet sometime oh, when we can go have, that's a, definitely have down a, a coffee or something. That sounds yeah. great. Okay. Great. All right. All you right. guys have a good night. Thanks, Tom. Right. Be well. Give all my best. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.